Welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyons podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and blesses you. Well, we're going to continue and um, we're going to continue with our series that we've been on. Uh, How many have been here for the last few weeks and have listened and heard the sermon series that I've been on, which is titled, Are These the Last Days? Now, what do I mean by that? Are these the last days? Because you'll hear, and and I've shared this with you, you'll hear of different, even ministers, even churches that predict a last day of Armageddon or God coming back and the second coming and all these terms, right? Just know this, nobody can tell you what that day is. Nobody, amen? In fact, the word of God, which we know is, is true, and we hold that dear, tells us that, that He is coming, amen? He is coming. But the great thing about this is that He gives us signs and seasons to know as we draw closer to His coming, amen? amen. So how many know that the Bible is filled with prophecy of things, events that are yet to come, things that have already unfolded? And so today I'm going to continue on these topics. There's a word that's uh, known as uh, eschatology, which is a biblical term for the study of end events, end time events. Eschatology, ology meaning the study of, and eschat in the Greek meaning the study of end time events. And that's what this is all about. And we've been talking about the rapture, the great tribulation, the second coming, the great white throne judgment, which I'm gonna wrap up next week. But these are topics that, that uh, I've touched on, and there's a lot to cover, but here's what I know is, we're gonna try to cover the basics on it, because again, I could spend weeks and weeks and months on this topic. How many know that this is deep, this is really deep yeah. stuff? But the things I'm gonna read to you, the scriptures I'm gonna read to you, they're not meant to cause fear in anyone's heart. They're to remind you again, that God sent his son to die on a cross for you, for me. Why would he do that? Because he loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son, according to the word of God, to die for you. I don't understand that. All I know is I didn't grow up in this and I received that. When I was in my early 20s, I received that. I said, Lord, I'm sick and tired of my life. I can't go on. And, and he was there when I needed him. Amen. Amen. And, and we're going to see in this, uh, in this uh, uh, topic today that I want to touch on, which is the end of the Great Tribulation, how the Lord still doesn't desert everybody. He's still there. Amen. Amen. How many know that God is a good God? Yes. Yes. He, he does meet your need where you're at. So as we take a look at the end of the Great Tribulation, again, what is the Tribulation? Tribulation was a period of seven years prophesied in the Bible that will take place immediately after the rapture. The word tribulation is a Greek word, and it means thalipsis. It's the Greek word thalipsis, which means metaphorically oppression, affliction, tribulation, distress. Now some of you may be thinking, Pastor Rick, that's what I'm going through right now. You don't know my schedule right now. You don't know what my school's like. You don't know what my job's like. I'm being oppressed left and right. But let me tell you this. It's nothing compared to what's coming. It is nothing compared to what is coming. 
Again, the tribulation lasts for seven years. The first three and a half years will be a time of peace. There were, as I, and I'm just recapping what we touched on the last couple of weeks, but there will be a person that the Bible calls the Antichrist that will rise up in the last days and in the tribulation specifically, he will be a man of political power that will rise up and make a peace covenant in the Middle East with the land of Israel specifically. And for the first three and a half years, there will be peace. And during this time, the Bible says that the temple will be rebuilt. How many know that the, there was this Jewish temple where the people of Israel would go to worship? Now I've been to Israel and where that temple was located, which is where it's gonna get rebuilt again, there's a dome called the Dome of the Rock, which was one of the most holy sites in the Muslim religion. And it's controlled by the Muslim people up there. And this is in the middle of Jerusalem. But the Bible tells us that a temple will be rebuilt there. It will have to be rebuilt. In fact, let me tell you right now, the preparations are already in place for that temple to be rebuilt. The things that the Old Testament talks about, there's menorahs, there's, there's red heifer, all these things that we're not gonna get into because we don't have the time, nor do I wanna spend weeks and weeks on this, but there are things that are already in place for the temple to be rebuilt. So having said that, the, I mentioned uh, last week, there's a term called, that the Bible uses, that's called the abomination of desolation. What does that mean? It means that when this temple is built or rebuilt, this Antichrist will be a political leader from the Middle East who will have such an influence upon the world that people will be drawn to him and this person will promote peace. But in the middle of those three and a half years, he will step into that temple and the temple had a place called the Holy of Holies where only the priest could go in and that was where the presence of God was. And this person will enter into the Holy of Holies and declare himself to be Almighty God. Remember I touched on the last couple of weeks how we have to be, be, be careful to not be deceived. There are many people that have come into our land, into our country, and in other countries that have said, I am Jesus Christ, right? And, and they're false prophets, the Bible says. And that is exactly what's going to happen here in the tribulation. This person will set himself up and declare himself to be Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that is called the abomination of desolation. It's also during this time that the mark of the beast will be issued. And we touched on that last week, how everyone will be forced because this man will have political power he'll have economic power there will also be a system of one money system a one money system in our world do you know and understand how we're heading in that direction yes, uh, how you those of us with gray hair know this that now every everything used to be controlled by cash money nowadays nobody carries cash it's all run by credit cards and, and, you, and you stick your card in here and you, and you don't have to carry cash. The next step on that is a cashless society where if you have a mark, the Bible says that um, those that take the mark of the beast will receive a mark on their right forehand or their forehead. It'll be a chip 
And no, it's not the vaccine. Can we just get that out? It's not the vaccine. And, and they'll, that chip, you'll be able to scan it. It'll have every bit of your information on there. I'm sure it'll tie it to your social security number, uh, your ID, whatever it is. Your bank account information will all be stored on that chip. And these ideas will be presented and the world will say, well, yeah, that'll be great. You know, Europe's already there with the Euro. They used to have all their different denominations, but now they've converted to the Euro, one money system. We're heading that way, people. It's not just a far out idea. We are headed in that direction. So this is all occurring during the tribulation, specifically in Revelation. And I'm, not gonna, I'm only gonna speak, pick a specific point here, Revelation chapter six verses 1 through 8 that we're going to read. But Revelation chapter 6 through 19 talk about the end times. And the tribulation, let me tell you, after the first three and a half years, it's a time of God's judgment. God's judgment is poured out upon the people of earth at that time. But we know that we serve a loving God and there's still a way to be saved. But let me tell you, you don't want to be here for that time. You don't want to be here. That's why it's so important to be ready. Look at your neighbor and tell them, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Amen. So let me, let me read to you Revelation chapter 6. It's going to be up on the screen for you as well, I believe, here shortly. Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. And this is, this is a, a description of prophetic events that are about to happen in the tribulation. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come! And I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Let me just stop there. That's not Jesus Christ. That's the Antichrist. He's going to come with a bow, but no arrow, meaning he's coming in peace, but he's coming to destroy. And these other, the rest of these are also demonic forces that will be raised up in the last days to bring war against the people of earth. So verse three, when the lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. In verse five, when the lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come. I looked and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages and do not damage the oil and the wine. And when the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come. And I looked and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named death and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. So let me remind you here, there are seven seals of a scroll that's opened up. 
that are judgment. There are seven trumpets and there are seven bowls all found in the book of Revelation, which all constitute coming judgment. Again, you do not want to be here for that. These are judgments coming from heaven against the world because they chose not to worship God. Amen. There, there's a great famine and pestilence throughout the world. One fourth of the world will die because of this. It mentions a great earthquake that is felt throughout the whole world. One earthquake that is felt throughout the whole world. We here, we're, we're fortunate enough, if we have an earthquake, we may feel it out, you know, towards surrounding communities. This is an earthquake that shakes the entire planet. Mountains and islands are moved out of place, the Bible says. Then hail and fire mixed with blood thrown down to earth. One third of the earth is burned up. We think the fires are going bad right now. That's nothing compared to what's coming. One third of the sea becomes blood. One third of the creatures in the sea will die. One third of the ships of the sea will be destroyed. And then finally, a flaming torch called wormwood. Bible specific when it comes to giving names and terms. There's a flaming torch called, called wormwood comes out of heaven and falls on the fresh water, causing the water to become bitter. And the sun and moon are darkened and there is no sunlight. Many people speculate that that's a nuclear bomb, but we don't know that. And again, my, my point here today is not to cause you to fear. It's just to let you know this is what's coming. This is what's coming. These are days of judgment. The scripture says that it's going to get so bad that men will seek to find death and not find it. Long to die and, and death will flee from them. Revelation goes on to say a third of mankind will be killed. Sores fall on the people that have received the mark of the beast and those who worship his image, speaking of the Antichrist. You do not want to be here for these events, amen? amen? These are events that are going to happen after the church is gone, after all living believers are raptured from here. There will be believers in this day though, in this judgment day, there will still be believers, but imagine how tough it's going to be for them. I mean, you may say, Pastor Rick, it's tough now, now. They close, they close some churches down and I got to wear a mask to church and it's tough. No, it's not tough. No, it's not tough. The days are coming when it's going to be extremely tough. But here's where I want to get into how the gospel will still be preached. It doesn't matter how bad it gets, how, how much evil there is. There is always a remnant of God's people. Amen. Speaking and preaching the message of God. Everybody say 144,000. 144,000. Do you know the Bible says there will be in the last days 144,000 witnesses. And even the Bible declares you and I as witnesses, but there's specifically in the tribulation time 144,000 witnesses. And what theologians will tell you, those that have studied the Bible, will tell you that those 144,000 are 12,000 Jewish people from each of the 12 tribes that equal 144,000 that will be converted 
and become believers of Jesus Christ during this time. And these 144,000 will go and preach the gospel during this time. See, there's many stories in the Bible where God will use a few. You, you think, well, 144,000, that's not a whole lot. And it isn't. But God can use a remnant. God can use one person to turn the world upside down. That's what he did, amen, with Jesus Christ, amen. The gospel of Jesus Christ will still be preached. It can't be stopped. So again, these people will be preaching, these 144,000 will be preaching God's judgment. In addition, let me read to you from Revelation chapter 11, in verse 3 through 6. It talks about these two witnesses, these two people. And this is where it gets, to me, it gets really fascinating. Because many theologians, again, believe these two witnesses are Enoch and Elijah. Old Testament prophets that are raised up again to do a work in the last days. And why do they say that? Because if you read the scriptures in the Old Testament, they never died a physical death. They were taken up into heaven. They were taken up into heaven. And there's many people that believe these will be two individuals that will be brought back to preach the word of God. So listen to Revelation chapter 11, verses 3 through 6. And I will appoint my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days, approximately three and a half years, clothed in sackcloth. Repentance. That's another term for repentance. They are the two olive trees and the two lampstands, and they stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. They have power to shut up the heavens so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying. And they have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. God will raise two men in the last days, specifically the last three and a half years of the tribulation. God always uses people to accomplish his tasks. It's not just men, it could be a woman, it could be a child. He will use whomever to accomplish his task. Can I get an amen? So as these representatives of God witness to the whole world that all people need to repent of their sins, that all people need to come to the knowledge of who Christ is, they will have access to God's Holy Spirit to produce supernatural miracles. Miracles will be following them wherever they go. I mean, can you imagine the Bible describes they have power coming out of their mouth to shut up heavens. Amen. So who are these two witnesses? As I mentioned, many people think that it is Enoch and Elijah. It doesn't matter who it is. There's going to be two people that are going to be used. But here's the problem. In that process, these people are going to become hated. Those two witnesses, because they're preaching repentance. And they're going to be preaching a judgment that's coming. And they're going to be preaching with power. The world is going to come to hate them, despise them. You, you kind of see it nowadays in a little, in a little shape, a little form. But in this, at this point, these two will be come, warning the world of the coming judgment. And the world will get sick and tired of hearing these two. And will want to shut them up. 
the Bible says. And in fact, here's what the word says. It says, when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them, and their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city. It's talking about Jerusalem. That their bodies will lie in the street for three and a half days. Somebody say, it's not over. It's not over. Because you know what's going to happen after that? That the Lord will raise them up after three and a half days. Will supernaturally raise their bodies back up. And, and here's the amazing thing. That the whole world, the Bible uses um, terminology to describe that the whole world will see these two witnesses dead in Jerusalem. How is that possible? A generation ago, that was not possible. We are the first generation to live in a time where the whole world can see this taking place. You can just pull out your phone and see a live feed on your Facebook, on your Snapchat, on your Twitter, whatever it is that you're, you're looking at. You now have the capability to see a live feed from Jerusalem and see their bodies dead. We are the first generation to be able to have that technology. Do you think we're close? Do you think we're close? Yes, we are. Amen. So here we go. The, the people will re, be rejoicing. The world will be rejoicing over their death. After three and a half days, God will resurrect those two witnesses from the dead and their enemies will see them ascend to heaven. God will raise them up to heaven. He'll bring them up to heaven right in front of the people. And you will, uh, whoever's here, not you. But they will be able to see this on a live feed somewhere. CNN, Fox, I don't know what it is, who it is, but they're going to they're gonna see them on TV, amen? They're going to see them on the internet. Because the Bible says, and this is the scripture that I'm referring to, after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. That is going to be an amazing day, can I tell you? But again, this isn't to bring or cause you fear. I, I don't ever want to cause anybody here to hear the words of revelation and, and for a moment say, oh, that's scary. No, no, no. I want to remind you and always point you back to God loves you. God loves you so much. Yes. He loves you. And, and fear isn't from God. Amen. Amen. Fear is not from the Lord Almighty. I, I, I really could spend hours on this topic. And as I, I study for this, I look at, and this, this section will lead me over here, and then that will lead me over there. And we could be here for months, people, but I... I really wanted to shorten and I just want to give you the basics of, of what's coming, of what's happening. So let me ask you, do you realize what's at stake here? Do you realize what's going on, what the importance of this is all about? Are you sharing the gospel in these last days, in these days? You know, because when I say last days, we don't know when the Lord's coming. He could come tomorrow. He could come in another 40 years or 400 years. We don't know. We just know He's coming. 
And so you and I are tasked to share the gospel, which means the good news, with other people. Just to share that. Can I tell you about Jesus? Can I share with you about Jesus? Can I pray with you? Because you know why? He rescued us, right? Amen. He rescued us yeah. from a life of misery, from a life of, of condemnation, and, and set us free and put us on a rock to stay. Amen? Amen. Amen. But as I, as I close here this afternoon, let me ask you, what's the point? That's, and that's my final point. What's the point of all this? What's the point of all this? God's mercy is so great that in the middle of chaos, in the middle of wars, in the middle of plagues, in the middle of pestilence, in the middle of sores, in the middle of the Antichrist rising up, He still loves you and He wants to declare His message. He still wants to have people come to the saving knowledge of who He is. Amen. He wants to bring the lost salvation. The overall lesson we learned from the two witnesses is that God will send these people to warn people to repent and change their evil ways. I was one of them. I repented. I said, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I, I don't know. I need you. I need a savior. I need direction. I need guidance. I need you to forgive me for my wrongdoings, my past. And he did. And he, and he gave me a new life. And he gave you new life in Christ. Amen. Now you know what, what the experience of being comforted, having strength, having peace, having a, a sound mind is all about. Amen? Amen. We also see that there's a need to be aware of false prophets. There will arise in the last days more and more false prophets. Can I just tell you, don't be deceived. Check it against the Word of God. Anything I tell you, check it against the Word of God. Please, do your due diligence. I'm not just declaring the Word. I want you to also go back and, and, and check up on it. Amen? And if you see something, bring it back to me. Say, Pastor Rick, you know, I'm having a bit of a you know, time trying to understand this. Well, together we'll figure it out. Amen? Because I'm not saying I understand it all. But I'll go along with you on that journey to figure it out. Amen? Amen. Amen. But here, let me tell you, it's far better to respond to that message of the gospel today than it will be in that time that's coming. The good news is that we will have been raptured out. The church will be in heaven with Christ and we won't be here to to endure all that. Some terrible days are coming to this world, but I praise God that the church, which is His bride, will be raptured out, that you and I will be in heaven. The Bible says that you will have a mansion in heaven. The Bible says that He has gone to prepare a place for you, that Jesus Christ has gone to prepare a special place for you. There will be much and, and terrible days coming, many terrible days. But praise God that He's coming for His people and delivering us from the wrath to come. Again, we don't know when that day is, but we do know He is coming. He's coming for you and I. Amen. Stand with me this afternoon as we close. Again, it's not my my goal here to to just bring up these scriptures and these words to cause you to become more confused.
let me just keep it simple. God loves you. The Father said he sent his son to die on a cross for you and me so that we would have eternal life. And that's a real simple thing for him to do when he sent his son. I mean that it was a simple thing and that it's a simple act. The simple act of, of the Lord's sacrifice on the cross. But all you and I have to do is accept that. And that's the hard part. It takes faith to believe that the Lord sent his son to die on the cross. For me, it was a weight was lifted off. It was a weight was lifted off. I wanted to kill myself. I didn't think there was a life worth living to continue to go ahead with my life at that time. I wanted to just end it. I saw no point in my future, no goal in my future, and what little I, I didn't know about all this, about all the blessings God would give me later in my life. But I got on my knees and I said, Lord, forgive me. And from that moment on, he's filled me with his peace. He's filled me with his comfort. He's filled me with his strength. And I can look to him anytime I have a need. Amen. Amen. Anytime I feel, start to feel depressed, I can say, Lord, I need your strength right now. I need your encouragement right now. And what does he do? He comes running to me. And he gives me a big hug, a spiritual hug. Amen. Amen. That's the point of all of this. It's nothing more, nothing less. But that is the point. Just bow your heads with me this afternoon and just close your eyes. Father, I pray for every person here today. And Lord, I know that it's not easy sometimes to recognize when you're calling us and where you're leading us to. But I pray right now, Father, for every person in here that they would desire you, more of you. Maybe they have a little bit, maybe they have a whole bunch. But Lord, my prayer is that they would desire all of you, all that they can receive. That you would be the one that guides them in their life. That they would look to you for every decision, every answer. Because Lord, you're the creator. What a better place to go to than to the creator. So Lord, right now, I ask you right now just to help us open our hearts, open our minds to you, to your word. And that if there's anybody here right now that needs a touch from heaven, that needs, needs to say, Lord, I need you. I want to receive you and I want to be called a child of God, a child of the King. And if you've never received Christ and you want to do that today, today is a day to do that, to be welcomed into the family of God. And if that's you today, with heads bowed, just raise your hand right now so I know I can pray for you. I can pray for you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's say this prayer together, church, and just mean this with your heart, mean this with your, with your whole being. Repeat these words as I pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you. I need you today. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, all my wrongdoings, 
Lord, I know you went to the cross for me. Lord, I know you went to the cross for me. You died for me. You died for me. And you rose again on the third day. Thank you, Lord. I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. The one that guides my life. I look to you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, maybe you recommitted your life to Christ, welcome to the family of God. That's all it takes to become a member of His church is that simple prayer. God forgives you, amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your holy presence, your spirit. I pray your protection over each of us, Lord, from all the stuff that's going around in our world right now, whether it's COVID, whether it's sin that affects families, the tearing apart of families, Lord, I pray a blessing for each and every one here. Lord, the Lord bless you and keep you today, church. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Have a wonderful Sunday. God bless you. And we're going to finish this up next week, this particular sermon series. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For more information, be sure to check out our Facebook page at Foothill Christian American Canyon.